Welcome to Talking Materials Handling. In each episode, you'll hear from the thought leaders who are shaping what happens inside the four walls of the distribution center. We'll cover the gamut from automation and robots to software and the next-gen technologies that are enabling the workforce of tomorrow. This podcast is hosted by Bob Troublecock, the executive editor of Modern Materials Handling. Remember that Bob welcomes your comments. Now, to today's episode. Well, hello and welcome to today's episode of Talking Materials Handling, Innovating at Radial. I'm Bob Troublecock and joining me today is Deb Williams. Deb is a Regional Vice President of Fulfillment Service Delivery at Radial and she and I had a great conversation the other day so I'm hoping we can replicate that now that we have to have to do it all over again. Uh, Deb, welcome. It's great to be here, Bob, and uh, enjoyed our last conversation and look forward to this one. I, I do as well. It, it's always the, you know, you always wish you would have reported that last one rather than have to remember all the things we talked about. But we're glad to have you here. I'm really excited about uh, learning a little bit more about innovation at radio. Now, there was a time not so long ago when the 3PL industry was about as exciting as a minivan and, you know, maybe a used minivan at that. No question, but that they got stuff done. But given the short-term nature of 3PL contracts, the tools of the trade, in my experience, were lift trucks, carts, WMS systems, barcode scanning, maybe some labor management. That has certainly changed in the last five or six years and really changed with a vengeance. Uh, Again, in my experience, in recent years, 3PLs have really led the way in the adoption of what some are calling flexible automation. Now, in my own view, I don't think we would have seen the explosion in warehouse robotics, particularly AMRs, were it not for early adopters in the 3PL space. And that's what I'm going to talk to Deb about. So, Deb, get us started. Just tell me first, briefly, a little bit about radial in case it's not a familiar name to our listeners. And then talk to me about your role there. Absolutely. Um, well, Radial is a leader in e-commerce solutions. Uh, premier brands around the world partner with Radial uh, to deliver um, to deliver their customer promises. Um, we we are uh, constantly evolving with those premier brands uh, and support them with an expansive network of fulfillment centers, um, flexible transportation services and advanced omni-channel technologies. And you know, as we look at our customers' needs, we look at their expectations, we are flexible, scalable, and focused on achieving their ever-changing objectives. Uh, and then you know, just a little bit about me. Um, so my role at Radial, um, as you mentioned, um, I am a regional vice president in, of these fulfillment service delivery. I'm responsible for eight fulfillment centers um, across the central region of the country. I just to give you a little scale of what that is, it's uh, it's about four million square foot of uh, warehouse space and uh, roughly two thousand to four thousand employees, which d- we do scale based on the time of year and, and our customers' needs and, and certainly for year-end peak season. Uh, that's great. Um, I got to know Radial through an article I wrote in the February issue of Modern Materials Handling, and I think that was one of your facilities, was it not? It was. It is. Yeah. 
Um, so in that one, it was your use of robotic put walls from covariant. Now, that's a very forward thinking solution. A lot of what I've seen when I'm talking to 3PLs, you know, who are putting in automation sometimes for the first time, it's either been autonomous mobile robots or something like auto store for, you know, goods to person picking. Um, put aside radial or whatever the technology is. Can you just, I'm sorry, put, away, put aside covariant or whatever the technology is. Can you tell us how radial identifies, you know, what's your process? How do you identify potentially game-changing solution, whether it's robots, you know, or another technology? As an example, do you have a separate innovation team? Yeah, um, so what we have a great team of engineers, um, and those engineers um, really are within our, we'll call our business solutions um, and that that team really looks at an opportunity with um, technology to really provide, you know, the new solutions. Uh, we feel we need to be on the forefront of of those new solutions, uh, and certainly the the covariant um, application um, as it looks to. Uh, really simulate the hands of individuals and replicate that. So we we were really looking for um, an an opportunity to first put it in the in the center that you you know that you got to experience, and then see if there was an opportunity to replicate that across the network, which we're which we're working on um, both the same application but with different types of product types, but also expanding that into other areas um, where it makes sense. So um, our, our business solution team is that team that looks for those opportunities, looks for that innovation. Uh, we've got some great relationships with de- several different uh, automation partners, if you will, that will h- work with us to, 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 to find that niche where it makes sense for our customers. This is kind of a chicken or the egg um, question. And, and, you know, your answer might start with, well, it depends, Bob, but my memory from covariant is that your team, um, had identified this as a potential solution that you wanted to implement. And then it was finding a customer that you, that you could work with that said, Hey, we think this can bring value to, you know, what we're doing for you. Um, so it, it felt like in that case, it wasn't so much a customer led, but an innovation led and then, you know, bringing the customer along. How does that typically work if, if, if there is a typical way it works? Well, there isn't, there is not a typical way it works, uh, Bob, but uh, I, so you anticipated my answer, but uh, the, you know, I think, you know, I think our customers look to us, uh, you know, to be flexible and scalable um, so we're always have an eye towards solutions that will provide that to our customers, to our existing customers and potential new customers. Um, and, and we work very closely with the customers. Sometimes they bring it to us. They have an idea um, and we'll solution it. Um, other times we're bringing it to them, which they appreciate. And because again, we're unlocking and solving for their ever needing, you know, th- their needs, their changes as their business evolves, we want to evolve with them. And, and, and automation helps us do that. One of the things I'm always curious about, and, and I'll give you an example. I had an interview with, um, you know, a VP at J&J who, who volunteered about how they were doing, you know, innovation. And, and she had a, 
I forget her exact term, but it was almost like a hunter and gatherer term, a team, meaning that they were tasked with, you know, going to trade shows or going to incubators or whatever, just their, their, their task was to go out and look for new technologies, you know, to bring back that might, you know, might be promising, um, might be worth playing around with in the lab to see if, you know, they were worth piloting. I just wondered, you know, in your organization, where do you look? Yeah, that the uh, the team of engineers, the 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 those the, the folks that are actually doing the solutioning, uh, I think it's a bit of a hybrid. You know, they they're they're going out to to the trade shows, to the events. They're doing their own independent research uh, to understand what are the innovations, what are the the new technologies that are available. Um, so I can't say it's just one uh, particular avenue. I think they're exploring. Uh, the breadth of opportunities, the breadth of innovation that's available out there in the market to understand if there's a, an opportunity to solve for or enhance, um, you know, a client's needs um, as they've ever ch- as they're ever changing. So, oh, they're always um, they're always out to the trade shows. They're always exploring. They're talking to our partners, our innovation partners. Um, that are providing the technologies uh, in addition to, again, their own independent research. So it's, it's, it's a, you know, several different avenues that they're exploring. Um, I, I want to uh, take you back just for a moment to, to where we started this. Uh, you know, I was poking a little fun at the 3PL industry, but from your perspective, you know, how is technology changing an industry that was historically, you know, pretty conventional in terms of its warehousing uh, practices and what do you think's driving it? In other words, why now, or at least why the last five or six years? Yeah, that's great. I think you called it the minivan, um, which uh, which uh, I I, uh, I think I I was working in the industry back when it was the minivan because I've been doing this for about thirty years. So absolutely have seen the changes um, in in the business, and you know I think. There's there's just been an evolution. Um, it's, it's, I think it's twofold. Um, one is that the the technology has evolved quite a bit, um, whether it's AI or, or or just even what we're calling the flexible automation is the ability to be able to uh, bring in automation very easily um, within you know it's not a, a fixtured approach. We can be flexible with the solution and even flexible as our customers volume change up and down, we can evolve with that. Um, so I think that the, the technology has changed. It's much more readily available. It's easily integrated. Um, and I also think the needs of the business have changed. It, we need to be more flexible. We need to be more responsive to our customers. Um, and, and frankly, we need to even, uh, you know, we, we do it to help our employees, our associates. Um, so there's, it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, certainly has evolved from back in the, as you called it, the minivan days. Um, and I'm certainly excited to see the evolution and I, and I, the ease of which we can actually now install automation has definitely helped us. And, and certainly this, you know, what, what it's enhancing our work life for our employees is certainly an exciting output of it. So it's just the right thing to do. So that's really the why. Why now um, is uh, it's a great time to to do to to really invest in automation and invest in the 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 use of it, the integration of automation and um, and and how our employees work with it and certainly much 
it's just it creates a much better work environment for them. Deb, you used the, I, I mean, you know, I used it initially, you just used the term a moment ago, flexible automation. And it's one I've certainly heard within the 3PL industry. And the, the question I wanted to ask is, so, you know, you specialize in e-fulfillment. And what I wondered is one of the hurdles in the past or one of the barriers to automation in the past in your industry was the, um, you know, short-term nature of, of some contracts, right? You might have a one-year, two-year, three-year contract and you didn't want to bolt a really customized solution to the floor because in three years you might need to use that building for something else. If you're focusing on e-com fulfillment, your tenant or your client, you know, if it's a multi-client building, your clients might change, but taking stuff from a shelf and putting it in a tote, and putting it in a box, you know, might be the same from company X to company Y to company Z. So has, you know, this idea of A, it's flexible and B, we're specializing, at least in some of these buildings in e-fulfillment, make it more conducive to automating, if, if that makes sense. It, it makes perfect sense. Um, I, you know, I think it's it's spot on. If we consider, you know, the specifics, uh, you know, this, this for instance, the covariant solution, that's an application um, that is, uh, you know, a, applied to a put wall, as a for instance. Um, and that application, regardless of the components that are going into the put wall, it, it's, it can be used for, for you know, health and beauty products. It could be used for apparel. Um, you know, it, so it has, for cookware, what, you know, whatever that product type is, it has, has the ability to be able to be expanded to a different portfolio of uh, of clients, as a for instance, and whether it's you know uh, you know um, an autonomous vehicle, et cetera. Those are the when I say flexible, that's what we mean is that we we can apply it to different client applications um, to support their needs, and it, and from the standpoint of the, the the flexing up and flexing down. The ability to be able to automate with the, the that core that that core equipment, and then we can you know if we need to flex, we can expand um, fairly easily once we've done that initial integration um, with whatever that you know te- te- technology is. Um, so that's you know that's you know that's uh, truly creates that um, that ability to be able to to, to focus our customers throughput. Especially in a time that's been pretty, you know, pretty volatile. I know we've had a, you know, with through COVID and then after COVID, there's certainly been lots of challenges. I would say that the technology is helping us respond to those. Um, I asked you a moment ago about whether you know you bring it to the customer, the customer brings it to you. It's kind of a related question, but it's a little bit different, and it kind of goes back to the what's driving it now. I just wondered, are you seeing? You know, in RFPs, they may not be asking about, you know, are you doing covariant robots or are you doing, you know, whomever, Six River, Locust, Fetch, you know, AMRs, but are customers asking you, what's your technology roadmap? You know, are, are they trying to figure out where you're going, you know, versus your competitors when they're going out and looking for a 3PL partner? Absolutely. Um they they do want to understand uh, what our 
well, for, first off, you use the, you know, the comment that, about an RFP. Um, so if there is a solution, right, we talked about the business solutions team, if there's a solution that we think in the RFP supports automation, we'll present that to our customers and offer them options um, and what the benefits are um, to, to automating. Um, and, you know, so we'll, we'll demonstrate that, um, you know, and they will then want to understand, well, what's the roadmap? Um, have you done this before? Show me how you've done that. And we will demonstrate that for them and share that with them. And existing clients also ask the same question. What's the technology roadmap? And where do you see, you know, our business going? Um, what are the opportunities there? And, and we'll demonstrate that for them. And we actually take the forefront of actually with it, certainly without being asked, we're implementing these technologies, um, at, you know, again, and to show them that we're going to be responsive. We're going to provide that throughput and that flexibility that they need. So they're asking for it and, and we're delivering on it. Um, so, so let's talk about some solutions here for a moment. Um, I think about technology in a couple of ways. For, you know, one is the inside the four walls, which is typically going to be more mechanical, although it might be like slotting software and, you know, other sort of digital technologies. But, but I think of the inside the four walls as the mechanical aspect. And then the outside the four walls, um, I think of things around, you know, automating planning or uh, understanding demand, things like that. Although um, we can throw in now autonomous vehicles and electric vehicles and things like that outside the four walls. I want to start inside the four walls for a moment. Um, we mentioned that you're using robotic put walls. I'm going to ask you about other technologies inside that you might be um, excited about here in a moment. But what, what interested me about Covariant is um, I didn't know if that was the starting point for you in terms of introducing robotics or in other facilities, if you were already doing, you know, autonomous mobile robots um, and then happened to put covariant in this facility that I wrote about, because I think in, in the facility I wrote about, I don't think you had AMRs. Um, I think it was, you know, you had a conveyor and things because that was delivering the totes to the um, to the robotic put wall. Do you recall how that came about? Because it's people think of piece picking as a little bit riskier than, you know, autonomous mobile uh, or robot to goods picking. Uh, so, you know, from the from the standpoint, well, first off, to answer the question, I know you didn't see the, the autonomous robots within that particular facility. We do have them throughout the network, as well as other technologies that we've partnered with. So we'll, we will we will start there. Um, and, and we we typically look for solutions that are a good fit for that customer's applications. And, you know, and specifically with the covariant partnership, we thought was thought it was a great opportunity um, to really explore this technology and, and, and test and try, um, you know, and certainly we have a great partnership with Covariant. So working with them, they saw it as a, as a, as a partnership long-term as well um, and, and ways to explore, um, you know, how to leverage this with radio and grow with us. Um, so I, th I think at a general sense, that's maybe that how is we, we try to get really good partnerships with, with great, um, with great suppliers that, you know, will work with us as we enter into creative solutioning uh, for our, our customers. 
Um, so in a general way, it was, hey, we have an idea. This is what we're thinking of doing. And we piloted with one robot with them and worked through the AI uh, associated with that. And um, the, you know, and then, and then expanded once we worked through that first pilot. Well, and from what I remember of that story, you took a really smart approach, meaning, you know, you started out with the one robot when you expanded um, the workstations, um, you still had the bot tenders to make sure, you know, things were going in there for the right presentation. And one of the things I found in other, not necessarily robotic footwalls, but in other implementations and new technology, you know, starting out with some type of a you know, some type of a co-pilot. And then as, as you get more and more experience, um, you know, reducing the number of co-pilots seems to be the, the way that it, that it works successfully. So I, I really thought the methodology that they described there um, was, was really smart. In, in that implementation, and forgive me, because it's been, you know, remember I, you know, I did the interview last fall, so almost right. a year ago. But it, right. it was health and beauty, was it not? It is. It is health and beauty. And so with health and beauty for, for piece picking, you might have a lot of SKUs, but you get a limited number of form factors. In other words, the robot doesn't have to learn as many form factors as it might have to, you know, in an apparel and accessories application. Agreed. Yeah. Um, so talk a little bit, you know, you just mentioned that you're using some other technologies inside the four walls. Um, you know, what, 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 what are you, what else are you doing and what excites you inside the four walls, the sort of mechanical things? Yeah, no. So what excites me is really looking at the op applications, uh, and really that we've really, you know, proven and worked with these partners. What I'm exciting is, is actually taking those and, and, and looking at opportunities to explore, um, to explore uh, how we replicate that in other facilities uh, and with other applications, um, you know. So whether it's you know, uh, you know we, we you know whether it's a, a you know autonomous robot that's being used for picking, I'm I'm looking at that now for our put away process um, into our pick zones, or if it's a if it's a robot that's you know, much like covariance that's, you know, doing health and beauty, we're looking at piloting for apparel. So really taking that, that technology that we've actually built expertise surrounding both with the, um, with our associates integration and use of like the bot tenders as a, for instance, um, and integration with our warehouse management systems. So we've, 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 we've developed that, that skill set knowledge set and replicating that now uh, across other centers and in other applications. How about outside the four walls? As, as an example, um, I don't know if you were at Manifest, but I was at the Manifest event and had a chance to talk to some other 3PLs and, and recently did a story with um, Pitney Bowes, who is doing you know third-party sortation for the post office. And um, I know Pitney Bowes is introducing, it's primarily for kind of milk runs, that introducing autonomous uh, trucks, not, you know, not 53 footers, more like the, the 50, or I mean the, the 23 or 30 foot panel kind of truck um, into their network, primarily in states that are, 
you know, uh, autonomous vehicle friendly right now. Are you looking at any outside the four walls technologies that you can talk about? Yeah, Bob, I, uh, that, I'm an inside the four walls person. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, we've got a, look, I, we've got a great transportation team. Um, and I know that they're, you know, they're, they're always exploring other opportunities. We, you know, cause we're, 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 you know, we're a team, right? We're partners, partners, but they would be better served to answer specifics on outside and investments there, uh, than, than I would, unfortunately. So fair, fair enough. Fair enough. All right. So let me throw one other at you and then I'll, I'll, we'll finish up. Um, you know, the, the, the talk today, you kind of referenced it with uh, covariant, but, but much of the talk today is around, you know, AI. Heck, we're having congressional hearings about AI, right? Sure. Um, meanwhile, um, uh, we had Yossi Sheffi from MIT. Yossi's a pretty smart guy, been around for a long time, who said, uh, he said, you know, I'm interested in AI, I'm watching in AI, but I really think we're talking five to 10 years. Um, I'm just wondering, as an inside the four walls person, how you're looking at AI and the potential inside your operations and and if you have a you know if you have a thought where we're at today what what's kind of the potential and you know where are we today yeah i think you know i think i think it's a it's a great question so as as i relate to ai i mean i think of even the covariant arms because that is ai it's a learning learning program learn, learning algorithm as it's it's you know as it's picking product and and even distinguishing um, each of the individual units. So something as just, you know, in our face, right, as an example of how AI is being used right now in an application to, uh, to just, I, I think it could be endless. Uh, you know, it uh, certainly won't claim to be the, uh, the expert on artificial intelligence, but I've got to believe there are some, there are, we're just tapping into, it's like the tip of the iceberg. We, we can just see that tip there. And I got to believe there's a lot more applications um, that are out there and available to us. So I think we're really seeking to understand that breadth and understand how how much we can, you know, how much this will grow with us. Uh, you know, it's just, uh, but I, I do, uh, I'm amazed just in the, uh, how the, the, uh, the accuracy and the, um, and how quickly the, um, as an example, AI can be used to distinguish between product types and SKU types as, it, as, as it's being picked and put in our put wall. That's amazing to me. So. Well, and Peter Abiel, one of the co-founders of um, Covariant, is an AI guy. I mean, that's where mm -hmm. he started you know, at, at Berkeley. So I, I think of, of many of the robotics companies, they really do have AI chops because their co-founder, you know, was a, was an AI person. Okay. Last question. Um, if, and, and if you've got any thoughts on this, you know, we, we've talked about technologies that, uh, that people are actually using and rolling out and implementing, um, today, I just wondered when you, when you look out at, you know, what might still be a science project as opposed to a ready for prime time, is there anything out there that you're seeing that you say, wow, that's really kind of interesting. You know, I'd love to see that work in a warehouse and distribution environment. Yeah, I, um, you know, I, I think there is, there are so many. Um, I, I think there's just so many opportunities um, that are out there now. I feel, um, yeah, 
I, I'll just liken back to the start of our conversation when we said that the uh, the back in the days of uh, the minivan, right, where we were uh, just lift trucks, carts. Shoot, I remember the days when there wasn't WMS systems that really supported us. Now, <laughs> I, I I think that the you know Bob, I just think there's there's so much out there. It's a flood of ideas, um, you know, a flood of applications. Um, I'm excited for the future to understand, uh, you know, where we can apply uh, the learnings, the technology, the innovation that's out there. I can tell you the radio is a creative company too. You know, we certainly I focused on our customers um, and, and, and ensuring that we meet their business objectives. And as it relates to, you know, what's available out there, if there's a need, if there, if there is an opportunity, I should say, to be able to take advantage of a new innovation that will do just that for our customers, we'll go out and pilot it. That's what we do. Um, so there's so much out there right now. I just, I feel like, uh, I feel like the sky's the limit for us. So uh, it's, it's, it'll be exciting to see what the, another 30 years will bring um, in the, in the 3PL industry. I'm sure it will change uh just like it's changed over the last 30 years i, I don't know if i'll be around to watch it for the next 30 years uh, but... here yeah it might be the same, the same for me but <laughs> you know I, but we have aspirations so <laughs> yeah if i do it's gonna be from a wheelchair and assisted living but there you go <laughs> i hear you i'll be right yeah. beside you there bob <laughs> deb thank you so much uh, that's all the time we have today uh, and i do want to thank deb williams from radio for joining me today I'd say I, she and I had a brief call uh, a couple of weeks ago. I really enjoyed the conversation and uh, wanted to invite her on as a guest. And uh, I'm glad I did. We had a great conversation today. And you can read more about Radial and Covariant, one of Deb's facilities, uh, in the February issue of Modern Materials Handling. You can find it on MMH.com. So if you want a little bit learn a little bit more about what Radial's doing, uh, please check that back. And I hope you'll be back for our next episode. Until then... For Modern Materials Handling and Talking Materials Handling, I'm Bob Troublecock. And again, Deb, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, thank you, Bob. Enjoy the conversation. Talking Materials Handling is produced by Modern Materials Handling and Peerless Media. You can find Talking Materials Handling on MMH.com, on iTunes under SC247, or just Google SC247 Podcasts. We're on all the popular podcast platforms. For more information, be sure to visit MMH.com, and we hope you'll join us again for our next episode.